Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. With over 20 years in healthcare, Dr. Gray is a doctor of oriental medicine and holistic physician fusing Eastern and Western healing. Dr. Gray is on staff at Jupiter Medical Center and in private practice with an office in Jupiter, Florida, where he resides. Dr. Gray enjoys being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Baden-Baden, Germany, and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and Biarritz, France. He is co author of several books on food therapy and the founder of the annual Star Summit Talks at the Norton Museum of Art in Palm Beach, Florida. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio. Thank you for joining us. We have today in the studio with us Susie Gerfine. Um, just a true pleasure, a psychotherapist that also specializes in EMDR and um, trauma. And I think it's just something that I'm so intrigued about you know how the two just the history of psychotherapy and this this therapy of emdr are coming together and how you've been able to help people with trauma and i'm sure people out there now who have experienced <laughs> trauma from either childhood or mm-hmm. currently in the state of things you know the general emotion it seems like i keep hearing from my patients you know the world is so and chaos and there's this perception of of constant living in trauma right right um so it doesn't always have to be the things that happened to us a long time ago it can no be it can current. be something that's happened currently yeah. um but thank you for having me this yes, is a thank pleasure you. yeah um well to begin with i i became familiar with EMDR therapy a very long time ago um i was fortunate enough to have my own therapist that was helping me work through things. Mm -hmm. And um, she was trained in EMDR therapy. So Mm -hmm. uh, after a while, I realized how much it had helped me shift Mm -hmm. the responses, the emotional responses that I was having to certain things. And that's when I decided I should be trained so I could help, you know, my clients better in many ways. Yeah. Tell me, so we can just break it down for our listeners, mm-hmm. what are the what are the initial or basic skills or skill sets of a psychotherapist so that we can understand why you then went on to augment and implement EMDR? Well, a psychotherapist is, um, it deals with all different types of modality from cognitive behavioral therapy to psychodynamic. So there's lots of different modalities that a psychotherapist um, has to offer a client mm-hmm. supportive therapy you know all of those types of things depending on what the needs of the clients are when they mm-hmm. come in so EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing mm-hmm. which sounds like a lot of crazy things put together but what it really does is when we have um, trauma or an experience that has had a significant emotional effect on us and it hasn't been processed properly it stays it gets stuck in our brain and so what happens is that in everyday life if a situation comes about and it's even remotely familiar whether it's a sound it could be a smell it could be many things now you're having an emotional response that doesn't correlate with the situation Mm -hmm. and you feel the exact emotion that you felt back when you had the experience Mm. so it's a good way to kind of explain this is uh, 
it's based on a bilateral stimulation of the brain. And when you're sleeping, you know, you have REM, and that's the eye movement that goes back and forth, and that's the bilateral. Right. So the conscious mind is asleep. So the unconscious comes up. Mm-hmm. And uh, what doesn't happen is because there's so many things coming up, memories and everything coming mm-hmm. up at mm-hmm. once, the mind can't, the brain can't release any one thing. Mm. So with EMDR, um, we pick, well, first of all, when a client comes in, it's very important for me to do an in-depth history. Okay. So I understand, you know, all of what's going on with them. I also try to understand what is happening to them presently that's causing them the distress and what's not working for them in their right. life. So there's always what is hap- what they perceive is happening to them versus what is. Exactly. Okay. And so part of my job is to help connect dots so things make sense. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes we don't have an answer as to why we're reacting the way we're reacting. Right. Because what's happening today doesn't correlate. Right. right. So, um, but I also um, make sure that I develop a rapport with my clients and so that they feel that they're in a safe environment. And mm-hmm. that takes a couple of sessions, you know, because right. they really need to know I understand. And they're in charge. And they're in charge. Right. And it gives me a chance to explain how the whole process works. Mm-hmm. And they just get to know me and hopefully feel comfortable and safe. And so. EMDR, I'll take a history, I'll find out traumas, experiences, whatever I can get them to talk about at the time. And sometimes it takes a couple of sessions to get them to talk about it. And then, so the EMDR is based on the theory that you pick a target memory. And it doesn't have to be the worst memory, but a target memory. And we discuss the memory a little bit. And then I hand them a list of negative beliefs that they possibly could have about themselves today right. uh, because of that experience. And so I ask them as, it, as they read it, what resonates with them, tell me what it is. You know, and it's a long list. It's I'm not good enough. I'm worthless. Right. I'm not lovable. Right. I should have done something. I'm not capable. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Not all of them, you know, mm. they resonate with, but mm. the ones that they do is an important part because that's what they're dealing with. Right. So then um, I use, I mean, EMDR can be done a couple of ways. You can do it by having a client watch your fingers go back and forth, tapping. But for me, I find what works the best is these handheld little vibrators that go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And they can, ad- I can adjust it for them so that it's not too strong that it's d- distracting them, and it's not so weak that they're looking for it. Okay. It's just got to be in the background. So then, you know, I let them feel it so they're comfortable with it, and then I'll say to them, "So now, take a deep breath, close your eyes, bring up the target memory, the negative beliefs, right. and then just let your mind go where it needs to go." So I explained to them that sometimes it can start with the target memory, but it may take you someplace that you doesn't make sense. And wherever it takes you means that that needs to be cleared. There's something there that needs to be cleared. It's a, it, 
while you're talking about it, it almost reminds me of a magic trick um, where, you know, you're doing this with the left <laughs> hand and you're dazzling them and they're so, you know, and then everything else actually is really going on in the right hand. Exactly. Well, <laughs> and then, you know, you have this, this great magic like trick, that. right? Um, so, no, that's, that's wonderful. And so, of course, I watch their body language. Yeah. You know, sometimes it can be very emotional. Um, but I watch their body language. I watch their breathing mm -hmm. and make sure that they're not in any distress. Yeah. And I generally stop it in about 60 seconds. Now, now in these cases, would you say 50% or I don't know if you can uh, quantify, but uh, how many times does distress happen? Is it most of the time? Um, it, again, I think it depends on the trauma. Yeah. I'm just saying an average. Would oh, you, would I'd, you say, I'd say, you know, Distress meaning they become tearful. Yeah. I don't think it, it I have not seen. It's not panic. It's not panic. It's tearful. It's emotional. It's emotional. It's connection. Correct. Yeah. They're okay. connecting yeah, with good. it. Which for me, because some clients are very resistant and they can't get down to that memory right. and they'll say, I'm not seeing anything, which right. is not unusual. It just yeah. takes them to relax into it. It takes time. Bit. Yes. Yeah, I have, I've seen that too, even with the therapies I do, which is a, can be a cathartic release uh, systemically and physically, you know, when there's loss, right? You've lost mm -hmm. a loved one, you lost a child. I've seen those people, you know, those type sure. of patients come to me for therapy because in their body, they experience pain and issues that have been there. And maybe they've done other therapies which have helped them mentally and emotionally, but their physical nature For sure. has been changed. Yes, and by, it does affect you. By loss or trauma or poor marriage situation, marital situations. So you do see that release, that another another level of release that on the table to start crying. And they're so grateful for it because, you know, immediately, I'm sure listeners, if they haven't experienced them, they think, oh, I don't, you know, don't want to be that emotional. I don't want to mm -hmm. go there. But you don't know until you've gone there how beautiful and how helpful that can be. You know, the the um, I heard a saying the other day that when you cry, you uh, allow the liver to release stress Absolutely. and uh, toxins. It's actually the liver. It's because the liver opens to the eyes in Eastern medicine, so it makes sense. There's mm -hmm. a level of release for that for sure. organ, which for is sure. a you know very stress um, relating and hormone relating organ. Yeah, and you know, I you know I have a lot of men that come in, mm -hmm. and as well as women, um, and again, like you said, you know, a lot of men don't want to get down right. there and get emotional. Yeah, very and, and, yeah. much a, a psychological, social, cultural thing. Oh, for sure. Right? But yet, I do see that when we start it, um, they become tearful, mm. and then when I stop it after sixty seconds, they're like, I just never knew yeah. how painful that was for me. Right. Never knew. And you helped them so much. <laughs> and so it, I yeah. st start things start to make sense for them as we go on as to yeah. why they're having trouble in their daily life. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with their belief system. Right. The negative belief system. Yes. Yes. So we'll continue. Touches to, everything. It touches everything. Yeah. So we'll continue to do that for three or four rounds. And I'll just, wherever they stop the first round, I'll say, you know what, go back to that, what you just, where your mind took you. Mm -hmm. And let's see where it goes from there. Mm -hmm. And so we keep doing it, and it goes to very interesting places. It doesn't mean it's going to, you know, open up like a s traumatic memory you've suppressed. It right. doesn't do that. So right. it's 
Because you don't want that all the time. No, no. That, that could be an explosive sort exactly. of like, you know, just create chaos and mm-hmm. almost like a Pandora's box effect. For sure. Right. And so. that's not what this is meant to do. Right. It's to help people understand or make sense of where their stumbling blocks are mm, and okay. why they can't get past it, right. even in business. Or use them. Right. Even in business where they can't get past a certain point or mm. they... And nine times out of ten, it's a negative belief system that they've had yeah. since mostly childhood. Right. And because as when we're young, we, like, there's a great theorist called Eric Erickson. And his theory was that we all go through psychosocial developmental stages from birth to death. Okay. And in each stage, um, from infancy on, we're meant to answer certain questions about ourselves. And that's how we start to develop who we are in our sense of self. So one stage is, can I trust? And if the child's needs are being met, am I lovable? Well, depends on how the caretaker is taking care of mm-hmm. them. Am I, um, am I good or am I bad? All of these different stages, we answer these questions according to how we have been treated. Right. And, if it's not nurturing, then we answer it wrong. Mm-hmm. So what we end up doing, because when we're young, we have to minimize it and make it not so bad to survive it. So that's where it stays. Like, it, it's, not, it's not a big deal. Right. And then we go off into the world as an adapted self instead of our authentic self. Wow. So a lot. So you lose a little bit along the way, just a little bit, but just a little bit becomes a lot. It over becomes time. that's your belief system. Yeah, that's how you make choices, you make decisions uh, because of those negative beliefs. Mm-hmm. So we'll, you know, at the end of the session, you know, I help them process and talk about it, ask them how they're feeling, and then, you know, I always, which is part of the EMDR, when. When you're reprocessing the negative, the buzzers go back and forth very rapidly. When you're installing something positive, the bilateral is very slow. So I will use tapping on their knees. So what I ask them to do is to think of a safe place, meaning place maybe they've been to with somebody that they trust, or it could be very general. And when they can come up with what that is, I said, I want you to make sure that this is the place for you. Right. So they'll bring that up, and then I will, I'll tell them to take some nice deep cleansing breaths and to really feel it. And I'll start tapping on their knees slowly, and I'll kind of uh, give them some direction, meaning, you know, I want you to see yourself with a smile on your face and a peacefulness, a sense of joy, a sense of safety, maybe feel the wind, maybe feel the sun on your face. And I just keep tapping as they're doing it. And so we do that for a bit and I'll say, try to notice other things that are making you smile. Mm -hmm. So after we do that, I explain to them that this is a coping skill for them now, that when they're in their everyday life when they find themselves having a stressful response, whether it's 
fear or anger or anxiety, anything. They can just take a minute and close their eyes and tap back and forth on their knees or I also recommend they wrap their arms around themselves and tap on either side very slowly and bring up the memory and then until you start to feel the negative response start to calm down. Mm. And it happens to be a really excellent coping skill that they can take with them wherever they go. What does EMDR stand for again? Eye movement desensitization reprocessing. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a, I was thinking that it's got to be reprogramming or re, re something in there. Reprocessing, yeah, because the, um, the, the trauma or whatever the situation was, was never properly processed. Right. Um, you know, I, I yesterday was funny. I have a colleague, and he's a clinical psychologist, and uh, he says, so, so how are you? And I said to him jokingly, I don't know. I'm not qualified <laughs> to answer that question. <laughs> I said, that is outside of my scope. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. So, and he laughed, and he says, you know, it's funny. You put two psychologists walking down the street, and, uh, you know, one says to the other one, how are you? He says, I don't know. How am I? You know? Um, so, so that leads me to the question with you. Mm-hmm. You know, there was something that drew you to add this to your repertoire, your toolbox, your superhero powers. Well, um, I, as I said at the beginning, it was something that I personally experienced. Right. So when I was going through a very difficult time. Right. And I saw how much it helped me. Okay. And so that was a catalyst for me to be bring that into my practice to add another modality that could help clients that you know are really in that stressful place. That sometimes talk therapy you can't get to the trauma. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the other thing I I make sure I explain at the end of the session is that. Once we hit that target memory and we have started the bilateral stimulation, it's working. It's already reprocessing without you knowing it. Right. And what happens is when you leave the office, it keeps working because you're walking. And that's a bilateral stimulation of the brain. Okay. And so it's not like, you know, I I make sure I explain to my clients, it's not like you're going to wake up one day and you're going to have this epiphany and everything's going to be great. Okay. It doesn't work like that. But you will see over time as we continue the EMDR and we continue our talk therapy that once, something that once caused you to have an emotional response that was distressing, all of a sudden you'll realize that you're not feeling that anymore. And it's subtleties. And after a while, you'll be able to see that I'm thinking differently about my decision making. I'm looking at it, whether it's a a block in a business situation, I'm thinking about it differently. Mm -hmm. And I'm not having the negative beliefs about myself like I used to have. So it works in that way. It's just a subtle changes, but Mm -hmm. you start to feel the physical um, response be mm-hmm. less yeah. and the emotional response be less. What are some of those indicators for p- 
people to walk through your door? What should they be looking for? So you, you talk about physical responses. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there's a list of them and some that are more um, impress, impressing upon a person's consciousness mm -hmm. than others. So well, what I think, would be I think those? it's the emotional response, that obviously, that causes the, the body response. Okay. So, you know, when they're having an emotional response, they're feeling a tightness in their chest. Okay, so that's one. Tightness in the chest Tightness in the chest. There's a tightness in their solar plexus. Right. Their and obviously we're not suggesting that to our listeners that if you're feeling a tightness in your chest, you should oh, no, also no. investigate right, right. whether or not you're having a heart attack. Right, but, no, for sure. <laughs> but this can be, if you've ruled out heart attack, the tightness, right. constant. But you're also yeah. tapping into why am I emotionally responding the way I'm responding. Right. High blood pressure sometimes, even if you're Could maybe be. on medication, sometimes you can have that sort of mm -hmm. high, you know, high blood pressure response. Sure. Response. But again, right. separate from a diagnosis so status. with the reason Proper. that a lot of people will start to come in is because they cannot handle how their life is going Got and it. why and they can't figure out why they're angry why they are crying all the time why they keep getting into the same relationships why they keep repeating a pattern a pattern okay. and why they think so little of themselves mm -hmm. why they have self-loathing mm -hmm. and all of that has a tremendous impact on the quality of their life right and they're not happy with the quality because they seem them. stuck and you and know years stuck. go by decades go by and they're like oh yep yeah. and it's and it's and they are stuck yeah and it's you know not everybody knows about emdr when they come in right but you know once i understand you know and i take the history and i then start to introduce them to the possibility yeah of the therapy and, you know, I always ask them, is this something you might be interested in? It works very well on this kind of situation. Yeah. You know, it's not something I say, okay, we have to do this. Right. No, it's just an option. It's an option. Because you have some wonderful stories of success. So give us one or two. Uh, let's see. Um, I had a gentleman that uh, came in and he was having difficulty being motivated in his work. He was good at what he did, but he had no motivation. And he had uh, anger issues. And so we started to do the history, we started to go back into childhood. And what ended up coming up for him was the way his father treated him and the way he was meant to feel about himself, like that he wasn't good enough, that nothing he ever did was measuring up. His father walking out on them, so he had abandonment issues. And so for him, even though he was good at what he did, he didn't believe in himself enough to really go where he needed to go. And it was through the therapy, I could see him right now walk back in the door after we mm -hmm. worked on it for a while mm -hmm. with this different energy in him, this calm energy. And he would sit down and say, you are not going to believe this. You are not going to believe. I just made the biggest sale I've ever made in my life because I believed in myself. Those negative beliefs are not there anymore. And he said, it was, I'm calmer at home. I understand now where my anger's coming from. 
I think about what I'm going to say or how I'm going to respond to my children before I do it, knowing how my parents' response to me impacted me. So it's psychoeducational as well that gives them the understanding that I have control over this. Hmm. I just don't, they just don't know how. They have control over it. Mm -hmm. And how about um, maybe a female story about relationships? Well, um, I had a young lady, um, a young girl that came in and she wanted to understand why she was so anxious all the time. Her anxiety was taking the best of her. She was struggling to study for her dental exams, all of this kind of stuff. And we went through uh, significant history taking. And as it turns out, she admits to me that she had, in college, had been uh, gang raped, but she didn't remember it. Mm. And so when she started to talk to me, she kept saying to me, you know, it was it must have been my fault because I must have drank too much. I must have, you know, for me to pass out like that, you know, that that's on me. And so she had all of these self-loathing feelings about herself. And then we talked about it some more. And I said, have you ever entertained this thought that a drug was put in your drink? And that's why you don't remember? Right. But you remember afterwards the situation that you were in? And, like, her face just absolutely lit up. She was like, I never thought that that was possible. And it shifted her completely. And she felt better about herself. She got herself into dental school. And we still work together. Because she let go of the ownership of that That's right. happening. She I, thought up until that point. She thought it was her fault. That she put herself in that position. Correct. Wow. Correct. Mm-hmm. And every decision after that was made under those. Yes, those negative beliefs huh. that was she now had about herself. Wow. Which we had to, you know, reprocess. Sure. sure. So you give your, uh, this is this is great. This is a wonderful instrument tool. It's, you know, I could see why you're so happy about adding it to your practice and and seeing how it's helping people. Yes, I mean, that's the the main thing, you know, to see people actually feel better and their lives are changing and they're happier and healthier. That's the goal, and this is a great tool. Mm -hmm. Well, this was psychotherapist (laughs) (laughs) Susie Gerfine. What a great show. Thank you for sharing all this with us. And I hope that people will, that can access you can search you out. I'm not sure if you're doing virtual or what have you, but maybe you can share that information with our listeners. Sure. I can do virtual, but mm-hmm. I'd like to start it in person Sure. first. And how do they find you? Um, I have a private phone number that mm-hmm. I can um, give out. Um, it's 561-866-7733. Not too private anymore. No. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> and a website or anything? Not or social yet. media? No. Uh, no. So yet. more of a private. And it's more private. Know, yeah. yeah. I like it like that. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great a great show and a great honor. Thank you. And this has been brought uh, and supported by Vell Health, uh, vellhealth.com. 
for Wellness Within Reach. Download it today for all your holistic needs, and uh, we will see you next time.